Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Sandy Bondle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um... I don't know. I feel like everybody had to listen to me whine about looking for a house. So now we've moved into the next phase where I'm going to whine about having found a house and now having to do like super adult things like pick out paint colors. Let me tell you, there are a lot of of whites, like like so many. (laughs) And it's honestly a little overwhelming. But I mean, I realize it's like, oh, no, I'm complaining about like this great thing that's happening to us. But also there's like 57 shades of white. Um. So um, when we got our house, um, my mother-in-law is a, a stay-at-home work, uh, stay-at-home mom and has been since the 1960s. Um, and she has spent her life doing things like, you know, basically uh, remodeling houses. Um, and my sister-in-law, literally her degree from Carnegie Mellon is in furniture making. Um, so, uh, (laughs) um, basically I was, my husband sort of just assumed that I'd know what I was doing because all the women in his life knew how to decorate houses and paint walls and enjoyed doing that. And I come from, I don't come from homemakers. You did not, you did not enjoy that. I I come from home squatters. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that, that was, it was kind of a shock, um, that, that first year when he, was like, oh, just pick stuff and paint the walls. And I was like, I have no idea how you do that. And then I tried to do that. And it was terrible. And I will never, ever do it again. Oh, no. I'm very much of the opinion that I'm very much of the opinion that that there are just like certain verticals of things you should just pay people who know how to do. Yes. And and I'm like everything involving like we've like Greg has made this like 60 page document of like things that that we want done before we move into it i mean he's got a lot of photos in there so it's not like 60 pages of straight text but but uh we're because you know like we we, before we move in like it's the time like pay the people to do the things because we're never gonna do like one of the things we agreed on when we decided to find a bigger place get ready for me to not record my bedroom floor you guys it's gonna be a whole new world but uh was was that we didn't want like a like a fixer upper we didn't want a project neither of us are terribly crafty people so we're just like let's pay the people who know what they're doing and and do that yeah see um because rob comes from homemakers he does not like worry about he he has no fear of doing things like i don't know exploratory surgery on a living room oh, ceiling oh no 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 <laughs> people have degrees in this and i don't need to yeah i need and, to be in their way yeah or or installing a microwave like that, that he just does it and i'm just like uh, okay i'll stand here and hand you things i mean isn't installing a microwave just kind of like plugging it in no 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 like hanging one over the stove oh yeah no <laughs> that's a perfect no Ours sits on the counter. Um, I don't know if you guys listening along at home can tell that we're stalling for time because we're not super pumped to talk about our topic this week. Um, I'm sorry. I'm we will stuck. stop ranting about houses and and, and 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 boring things and talk I'm, about. You uh, may you you may wish that we were talking about our houses by the time this episode is over because we because are going we're to talking talk- about boring things. Um. Well, I, I'll be less angry talking about paint colors, but we, we're going to talk about, girding my my proverbial loins here, The Time Traveler's Wife, the new prestige HBO adaptation of the best-selling 
book from the early 2000s whose author's name I will butcher if I try to say, but you will know it when you see it. And uh, this is also relevant to a lot of our of our listeners because it's the show that Theo James, formerly of Sanditon fame, basically left Sanditon behind to do. And and I think I think one of the things we're going to discuss is whether or not that was a good idea. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know, someone pointed out. I don't remember who now. Um. So Theo James. So basically, the time traveler's wife. Let's. For those who have never read the book and not seen the series, um, is or not the a- weird movie with um, Rachel McAdams and I think Eric Bana. Yep, I thought I always thought Eric Bana was so hot, and it's really bugged me that he's had such a midland career. Mm-hmm. He's made some poor choices. This film being one of them. So. Um, the original novel I picked up thinking it was going to be science fiction because it's called The Time Traveler's Wife. Um, it's not. It's a romance. And it's not just any sort of romance. It's basically one of those kinds of romances where it's sort of like a, a, a doomed romance a little. Like one of the, um, I'm thinking like Me Before You or The Fault of Our Stars, except instead the the genetic disorder being like cancer or 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 a disability it's that the guy is basically unstuck in time um and randomly falls through the timeline back and forth throughout his life losing his clothes every single time he goes i mean one of the one of the really like few things i can wholeheartedly recommend about this series is that it does involve theo james falling naked through the sky many times many times into a variety of just uncomfortable like landings i don't like they really commit to the to To the the naked dude falling out of a sky yeah and it's weird because i read the book too and i remember that that was just like a thing that happened because they do actually uh make a point to to reference the fact that you know henry falls naked out of the sky and doesn't have any money or clothes and people tend to think he's crazy or an axe murder or whatever so it's like part of the plot but younger me didn't really think about that i'm glad to know to that (laughs) um so in 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 this series uh the time traveler who is uh who's genetically unstuck in time um, and that's why his clothes don't come with him, by the way, because only his body is unstuck in time, um, is uh, Henry Theo James. And the wife, Claire, is played by Rose Leslie, who Downton fans will remember as Gwen, um, who then, uh, after leaving the, the, the Downton mansion, went north and became Ygritte and married Jon Snow, had lived happily ever after or something. Or until she was brutally murdered, yeah. whichever you pick. Um, so yeah, uh, this, in the same way that the movie star, Rachel McAdams and Eric Bana, when they made the movie in 2007, were sort of as, as, uh, Lacey said, sort of mid-tier actors in, in the big screen world. And I feel very much like they asked, like someone asked themselves, who are the moral equivalent of that for television? And that's how we got Theo James and Rose Leslie. To their credit, both of them try very hard. Yes. They have very good chemistry together. Um, their American accents aren't terrible. Uh, Theo James really does commit to crash landing on a lot of sharp edge things. Naked. Naked. Um, I, I think the, the, the problem is not in the performers. Let's put it that way. No, no, I, I would definitely say that, you know, like one of the things that I always, the, one of the things I actually really appreciate about it um, is how much Rose Leslie manages to make each age 
very recognizable the moment you look at it. Like you, it's not in a lot of these things, like they would sort of like change the hair or change the outfit. And that would tell you exactly when you are. And you're supposed to, you know, sort of the same way that this is us tracks uh, timelines mm. by facial hair. Um, but actually, Rose Leslie, like literally changes her body language as she grows up. So you always know exactly how old she is just from looking at the way she behaves, which I think is a great performance. It really is. She's very good in it. And um, like part of the hook of this this story and, and the book when it came out, which admittedly, again, I'll say I read and loved in my 20s. And now that I am further past my 20s, I, I find a bit uncomfortable because I grew up and we all grew up. And and th- there's a lot of this that we'll get to in a minute that's really like. But. The, sh- the book was particularly groundbreaking, I remember, because it was one of the few things that really mixed like romance tropes with genre fiction. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it really sort of mixed into this something that felt like very explosively new. Mm-hmm. Like there was all of this very sort of high concept stuff. But at the heart, it was really about this, rela- this relationship between these two characters. Yeah. At the heart, it's a romance. And the way the way it works is that Henry Henry is the one that's unstuck in time. So he falls in and out of Claire's life at various points. Claire has to live her life on the slow path like a regular person. And as a result, she first meets Henry when she is six years old. And it does not get any less creepy after that. But... Um, eventually, uh, like, he falls in and out of her life at all sorts of times. So he meets her when she's six. He meets her when she's 18. He meets her when she's 16. Um, but when she, when he meets her for the first time, he's in his 20s, and so is she. But she has known him for 15 years, basically, and he doesn't know her at all. So she has all this foreknowledge of how their life is going to go, how their relationship is going to go. I think she tells them they're married on, like, their first date. Yep. And he's like, What? But so it's one of those things where it seems like really cool on paper. But when you look at it too closely, it's sort of like a big old mess. Like, it's like a Monet. Like, <laughs> um, it, because when you start thinking about all of the implications of this, it gets really uncomfortable really quickly, not just from a, an age of consent kind of thing, which is which is definitely something we should talk about in a minute. But but the whole idea of like free will, it, it tries to have it both ways when it comes to like free will and agency, like that these things are going to happen because they're basically fated to happen because you have will make but but you are not like your agency is not taken away from you. But these are always the choices you are going to make. And it's really like if you think about it too much, it gives you headache because it doesn't if you don't really have the option to make another choice, you don't really have agency. Yeah. And right? Yeah. And and part of the romance is also that true love makes you a better person. Um right. Oh yeah. I gotta talk about that when we get to the, the I gotta talk about how upsetting it is that Claire's job is to make Henry a better man. Yeah. Henry is a jerk when she meets him in his twenties. And she's basically like, Why in God's name did I ma-? she literally tells him, We're married in the future and he laughs at her and then he takes her home and tries to sleep with her and she finds out that he has another girlfriend and it's all sorts of messy. I think he does sleep with her before she finds out about the other oh, girlfriend. Right. Right. And then basically she leaves and she's like, well, uh, nuts to that. And 40 something Henry turns up and like sits down in front of her and is basically like, no, 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 I'll get better. Like, just, why just, is just, this just, her problem? Right? 
And then like 20 year old Henry, when he sees 40 year old Henry, is like, screw off, old man. I'm not going to get better. And like, it's just, and 40 year old Henry's like, yeah, that's a nice kid. And pats him on the head. And like, any time that Claire basically begins to walk away, like basically older Henry keeps coming back and sort of like herding her back. And it's real creepy. Well, because the thing is, the thing is, is that the the Henry she first meets is the 40-something Henry. So that's the version of him she falls in love with. And I do think that the show does a fairly decent job of underlining that fact that like that is like she's in love with a very specific Henry. And and has to work to give a crap about the other Henrys. Mm, yes. But at the same time, like, there's this weird implication that that and I can't I can't decide which one of these is worth. Like she can't walk away from him because like destiny speaking, it's not possible. Or because she like can't walk away from him because if she does, he will stay a jerk. I don't think it's a bad thing if she stayed a jerk, to be honest. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, it's just, it's not her pro. Like, it's not her job to save this man. No, it's not. And the thing is, and and this is actually one of the um one of the pitches that I that I did on on this show when I was watching it, um, is if Henry had not come to her at six years old and basically imprinted on her, mm-hmm. would any of this have happened? Because basically, 40-year-old Henry has basically gone and found this child that he's decided he's going to fall in love with the older version of and, like, makes sure it happens before younger him can screw it up. And it's just, it's such a... It's just very uncomfortable. Yes, very uncomfortable. You know, also because the thing that's weird to me is that there are moments where the show is very aware of this. Like, the show uses the word imprint several Mm -hmm. times. And it talks about, like, Claire literally has some lines about how she has formed her entire personality and her entire conception of what it means to love someone around this man. And that's somehow as far as the show ever goes with it. Like, it it sort of says that a little bit, but then it's like, whatever. But it, it doesn't actually want to dig into that because that would actually unravel the ball. And this is where I want to put in the fact that, you know, you mentioned earlier, you you use the phrase the slow path. And any Doctor Who nerd who has watched the reboot knows that, that is a or the or the lo- or the long way around. Um, That's what he says in the 50th. Um, basically, th- these are references that come from Doctor Who um, and they come from a very specific writer, Steve Moffat. Um, Steve Moffat's one of Steve Moffat's first real hit episodes, um, was called The Girl in the Fireplace, where basically, um, a historical figure meets the doctor who keeps popping, who keeps popping out through her fireplace, and she has to take the slow path, and he keeps appearing and disappearing through her fireplace all through her life, and she doesn't know why. Um, and then in the 50th, there's a, there's another sort of same sort of I- the 50th anniversary episode. There's the same sort of idea of that there's this person who's stuck on the timeline, living time in linear order while the doctor comes in and out and and doesn't live on the timeline in the same way. And I bring well, this I up. I was just referring to the line about going home the long way around. Oh, right. Um, but I bring this up because um, Steve Moffat is the writer and... D- adapter and showrunner on this 
project. It was him who actually went to the author and said, I have been obsessed with your book since I first read it. The Girl in the Fireplace was actually inspired by it. I would really like to do this. And it beca- and she gave him permission to make a TV series. And it became like the hot property that everyone went after in 2018. Um, because Doctor Who was a huge hit. Um, and, and, and the, they thought that, you know, taking the movie didn't do so well because it was just a movie, but you know, if you have six episodes, you don't have to cut things. Therefore, you know, that's very much the streaming sort of way of thinking that they're better than movies. Um, so basically this, when I sat down, I knew that this was, you know, the guy who had basically helmed Doctor Who, um, from season five to season 10 and did all the Matt Smith stuff and Amy Pond and Rory and, and River Song. And I, I knew that's what I was sitting down to watch. And I sat down to watch it and I started to say to myself, wait, I've seen this show. I saw it in 2011 in Doctor Who season five. Like it really does feel like uh, it feels very much like it's not just the girl in the fireplace that inspired that was inspired by this. Like I feel like his whole like Doctor Who, Amy Pond, River Song stuff. I can't tell if it was inspired by the Time Traveler's Wife or if he borrowed from it to do the Time Traveler's Wife. But I really feel like they're uncomfortably close. Um, I it. I I think anybody who's watched a lot of Stephen Moffat's work knows that he has a lot of types and tropes and and things that show up in his work repeatedly um the fact that basically if if you if you look through his work like missy is madame kevorkian is keely hawes's character in that jadoon jail episode like and and this is another theme that keeps coming up the sort of I mean, literally, Amy Pond's nickname was the girl who waited. Mm-hmm. And the like, doctor imprints on her when she's young and then comes back. And when she, she she waits her entire youth for this man to come back to her. And and he has such a profound impact on the woman she becomes that you can't necessarily... Um, you can't really separate... You can't separate the idea of like who she would have been without that. And it's very similar to this. And and Rose Leslie's character, uh, Claire, when she talks to Henry and she's like, we marry in the future. And she pulls out a book full of dates. That- oh, my gosh. It looks like River Song's journal. <laughs> right. Like I was almost expecting her, for, for him to, for her to go. I can't show you this spoilers. Like I was literally expecting a River Song moment. And it didn't actually happen. Thank heavens. But I mean, it was, I, I, I've seen I this. I guess that. Uh, yeah, this show is very like if you haven't seen it you've seen it if you've watched any of Moffat's work because it is very like he is very fascinated by the idea of like a love story told out of sequence about people trapped apart from each other out of time about young women who are irrevocably like shaped around sort of transient men he loves a puzzle box mystery like it's just like basically the story is his world series <laughs> Um, and which explains why you know he's he was been obsessed with this book since it came out but also um and this is the other thing that i um i find a little odd about this show the time traveler's wife like any uh, so like the fault in our stars and me before you and all of these sort of you know doomed relationships that are doomed due to you know genetic disorders or illnesses 
are are tragedies. I mean, that's what they are. They're they're that's they're sad. They're supposed to be sad. They're supposed to be cathartic. You're supposed to cry over them. Steve Moffat really likes a comedy. And there are times, as he did Coupling, that was his first big hit before he did Doctor Who. Um, and I feel very much like he sort of tries to turn this into a romp in places, and it doesn't work. It's like well, tonally off. And it, uh, you may- I, I, will, I will push back on that a little bit, mm-hmm. because technically, if you think about it, all love stories are doomed, because all love stories end because someone dies. Right. So, I suppose that's true when we all die alone. I don't think this is in any way different from that, except except on the very weird chance that there is is a not zero chance that Claire will definitely run into versions of Henry after Henry is dead because they'll be from other times. So give yourself a headache thinking about that. Um, I think here, here you want to, I mean, I have, gosh, I have so many problems with the show. So many problems. Uh, the icky imprinting stuff, the sort of wanting to have it both, the sort of wanting to have it both ways in acknowledging the ickiness of that, but sort of sweeping it under the table. But here is my biggest problem with this adaptation. And it is that Claire's POV is completely erased. The name of the book is The Time Traveler's Wife. And... And the book is from her perspective. Uh, the, well, actually, the book is alternating perspectives. Oh, I see. okay. So you get, so you well, no, get... but I mean, there, there, are definitely, there are definitely parts of it that are from her perspective, and that doesn't happen here. It's alternating chapters in the book. So you get Henry's perspective, you get Claire's. You get Henry. It's not necessarily of the same things, but they're, they're the two voices of the book. And her voice is almost completely absent in the show, and it drives me crazy. Yes, this is very much Henry's story, and that doesn't make sense because then it's just the time traveler. Not his wife. I know. Um, and th- this is this is kind of a Moffat thing. Moffat is very Mo- Moffat isn't very good at telling things from women's perspectives, and that that's always been a weakness, and that's part of the problem. That that that, I, and that you know, as as somebody who's watched a lot of his stuff and a lo- and, and all of his Doctor Who, like that was an issue from the beginning. Um, and so you know, some people they have that weakness, and so it doesn't surprise me that he turned it into Henry's story because that's where he's comfortable from writing from but it is I I just thought he I don't know what I thought but it I I just thought we'd get more from Claire's perspective instead of it being things that happen to Claire I mean they do uh in the book Claire refers to herself as Penelope you know like referencing the odyssey and the the decade plus that she has to wait for her husband to come home from the Trojan War and and it's very I think much more literal in the show like so much of Claire's story is about waiting for Henry and not not even in the in in the sort of romantic sense of like, when will my love return from the war or whatever? But like, she's on the sidelines while he's having all of these other adventures. And we get to see him do all of these things. Granted, some of them are terrible. Like apparently every Christmas, like 57 versions of him go back to watch his mom die. But like, he gets to do things and she is just there when he gets back. Yeah. Um, the other thing, um, and you know, at the the show's only half over at this point, so we haven't gotten a lot of it. One of the other major 
tenant of the book is that there's a guy there's a second guy who is in love with Claire um who basically like he's he's in love with Claire and then Claire's best friend basically starts dating him because as sort of like a consolation prize um and she sort of she sort of knows she's the consolation prize and that he's really in love with her best friend and I we haven't gotten a lot of that in the show so far but I feel like that's another thing that I I I can't see it going well when we do get there Um, I don't remember a ton about that subplot from the book, but, uh, I do think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it's one of those things where it's like, is that really, there's never any sense, despite the fact that, that the show tries very hard to make it seem as though this is Claire's choice and this is the life she wants. There's never really any sense that she considers other options. Yeah. Yeah. Or doing anything else yes. besides just waiting, waiting for Henry and being expected to love whichever version of him happens to knock on her door. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just don't, I don't get the sense that, like that feels like filler to me because it's just we all know it's not going to happen, right? Um, and I think that's part of the problem is that in the book, the first time I read it, there seemed to be a chance that she might choose differently. And here, it definitely doesn't feel like, like, you know, already, even before, like, that has really rolled in. Um, I also have just issues with, I mean, the book in general also just has issues around sex and consent. Um, one of the things I remember I about the book is a, that, I just think as a society, we have become, like, better about a lot of the things that this book deals in like we've become more aware of a lot of things um the the big romantic scene where they have sex for the first time she's 18 and he's in his 40s it is her birthday right it is her birthday he has sex with her as a birthday present when she's 18 and i know that like one of the other things about the book that I remember so explicitly is how much it was about Chicago and Michigan and 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 Illinois and that area and that and that and that and and, and very much being of a time and place, which is something that I feel the show sort of lost. Um, and I know that, you know, this area like. 18 is beyond the age of consent. I think it's like 17 or 16 in some of these states. Um, so This is you not know. what I want from my television. Right? I don't want to be like debating the age of consent in the state that it's set in. And I don't think that... I think when... You know, I think back to the 1990s, which I love telling younger people is was a totally different time, and how, like... I don't know if you remember this, but Jerry Seinfeld, when the height of Seinfeld was dating a high schooler, Oh, and it was like that, like the was, real Jerry Seinfeld uh-huh. or on the show. No, the oh. real Jerry Seinfeld, and it was like on the cover of People magazine, and it was treated like completely normal. And I feel like that this it, nowadays that would not. And I feel like there's just some Lolita stuff in this book that at that time in our society it was still not 
it was it wouldn't be eyebrow raising the way it is today. And I feel like the show hasn't the show knows that, but it doesn't want to actually change it either. I know. I can't decide if I would feel better or worse if the show just ignored it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like not ignored it happening, but I feel like it does try to lampshade how kind of squicky it is. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know to what end they're doing that because they don't actually like we don't like we don't see Claire like really wrestling with that like there's one scene where she's really furious about what is apparently like her lack of control over her own life which I think is completely fair and justified and like Henry's answer is like well you still get to make choices that's just these what the these are what the choices will be and that's like the end of it and and I don't I, I like I said I don't I don't I don't think I would have liked it any better if the show hadn't acknowledged all of these sort of uncomfortable gray areas of the story it's telling. But I'm also like, why bother if you're not going to actually do anything with it? Yeah. And I, again, I think this is just one of those things where like the, the show doesn't want to change what's there but it's aware that this part is dated and so it just figures if it if it if it sort of like underlines it and puts a smiley face next to it it's done its job but the thing is is that the show is very willing to change things it's just it 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 adds several things that make things a lot worse actually well, okay so um in the book there is um one of the things that 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 Claire is very set on that I remember is that she doesn't want to have sex with anybody else because she knows Henry is coming. And there is a scene where there's a, a, a guy that she's that there's a, there's a guy in high school who really wants to sleep with her. And she basically rejects him because she's like, no, I'm, I'm waiting for Henry. And it is not explicitly stated that this guy actually like rapes her, but it is suggested that he doesn't take it well and that and 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 that something icky kind of happens. I have no memory of that from the book at all, because when I was watching the show and the equivalent thing happens in the show, I was like, I threw something because I was like, I can't believe that out of everything else going on in this show, we need to insert some rape. It is 2022. Yeah. And the thing is, I think it's just, I think this is a matter of perspective. Like, I think when I read that, I sort of glossed over it. And like, because it wasn't made explicit. I literally have a copy of this book in my hallway. I should have gone and got it before we started recording. Um, But because we can't, because there are in the same way that we know that the, these things are dated rather than stick with the glossing, they spell it out and that doesn't work. Because then suddenly you have to actually deal with it. I mean, am I insane? I do not remember her finding out she marries Henry because he gets angry at the guy who attacked her. Um, I, I, I think he defends her, but I don't think it's the same. It, 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 it's, it's, it, it's never spelled out in quite that way. And it certainly isn't nearly that uncomfortable. So many things about this show are uncomfortable. Can we talk about how Henry's dad finds out? Oh, my God. It's another thing that I don't remember from the book. And I don't know if, like, 20-something me just, like, had memory loss or something. And I have I just, like, mentally 
excised all of all of this stuff from from my memory of the book. But I do not remember two different versions of Henry uh, hooking up. Shall we say? Um, yeah, that I don't remember from the book. That is not. I'm pretty sure that that is a complete addition, and in a way, it's. I could not tell if that was supposed to be queer baiting, if it was supposed no, to be part of the to be comedy funny. that this show. Yeah, that's what I mean by this show was trying to add comedy in places that doesn't that 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 doesn't work. Um, I I couldn't figure out I if mean, I, I got couldn't a figure very out if I was, like I, 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 I got a very like dudes wouldn't you kind of vibe to it uh-huh. that was just like really gross. Um, because um no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, hard pass. I mean, listen, I know that, that, that Marvel had an entire show about Loki falling in love with Lady Loki because he falls in love with himself because he's a narcissist, but that's not supposed to actually be a good thing. If anything, that just shows what a narcissist Henry is and that he's just <laughs> awful and Claire should run screaming. On some level, on some level, I have to say that felt like, uh. And, and to to its credit, HBO has really gotten better about this in recent years. But to me, that really felt mm. like, well, we're on HBO. Yeah. So let's just do this. It was very much like, do you remember the SNL skit where they were like, Game of Thrones is written by a 13-year-old boy. Yes. And that's what this feels like. Yes. It very much feels like, you know, Game of Thrones is one of those shows where I always say that it's sort of like accidentally like. Uh, aged uh, became became uh, uh, it, it basically um, socially became socially unacceptable halfway through its run, you know, because people when 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 sexploitation when when spec- sex position excuse me no first no, came no. out the pe- moment was when Sansa got raped that's when it happened oh yes no I absolutely agree but the 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 moment that you can really see where society shifted on it is that in season one when there were sex position scenes. Uh, recappers and reviewers were like <laughs> sex position <laughs> and then they had a callback scene to it in season 8 where they literally did a version of one of those season 1 scenes and everyone was like sex position ew what? everybody knows that's disgusting and using women and I can't believe the show did that right and it was like wait 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 and, and some of these were the same publications to be clear so I it, yeah I feel like that is one of those more tone deaf moments where it's just it's trying to be funny and it's trying to add sex in places that don't work. And and that's what I meant by I feel like this was trying to rom com it up and, and make it funny when it's not funny. Um and and like there's there's scenes that are that are supposed to be like there's there's one scene where where they basically drop into a car and they find themselves going the wrong way on the highway and it's supposed to be funny and it's not and there's i i, I just I, this this happened several times where i went where i literally put a question mark am i supposed to be laughing cuz i wasn't um you know what else i think is is weird is the show sort of wants to treat Henry's impending death, which it's very clear about from the beginning that, that Henry does not live a full life. Let's put it that way. And, and the show seems to want to try to make it like into this weird mystery of like, what happens to Henry? And yeah. It's not a puzzle. This is not a puzzle box. No. This is a romance. 
like I don't the this the scene where like he suddenly I, one of the one of the weird things about like his time traveling is like he he can leave pieces of I don't even remember how this is supposed to work exactly but he essentially like part of his body gets left behind and what like, yeah I don't <laughs> I mean I don't need that. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know because, like, the thing is, is that there's not. It's not like this is a reversible problem. Like in the show's own internal logic, like things happen because they happen, and we all are going to make the same choices, no matter whether we try not to or not. It, it is very frustrating, and it you know it it actually makes me want to go back and like look back on Doctor Who and sort of and, and and look at it through new eyes. That's one thing that I have sort of taken away from this is that especially because I felt like I was watching another variation on a show I'd already seen, it made me want to go back and rewatch some of the Amy Pond years and sort of ask you know, myself. It doesn't help that that the girl that plays young Claire is like a doppelganger for young Amy Pond. Yeah. And 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 you know, I I know that like I, I I know that in the book, you know, uh, Claire is a redhead and Amy Pond was a redhead in, but it really does sort of feel like I'm watching the same thing. I, I'm like, I've seen this. The, 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 the only difference is there isn't a blue box and people aren't eating fish fingers and custard. <laughs> oh, I don't, I'm not sure given where we are in the world and with everything that there is a version of the show that could have made me happy. Uh, I was really, I really was looking forward to it because I have just this memory of really loving that book. Like I think every woman of our age range did back in the, in the early two thousands. And I don't, it's just, this really was just such a letdown because it's such a, um, it's such a, just it's it's just so disappointing like this the cast is so great that's so like they spent money on this oh like, yeah they did i mean you know it is hbo and it is also hbo this is not just hbo it's an hbo hbo max show um these aren't which are a little bit on the um which are not really I, I feel we'll get more of those going forward, but that means that it's sort of meant to be something that people will be streaming, you know, in years to come. It's not supposed to be like regular, you know, like like Game of Thrones when it first came out was just an HBO show and they didn't imagine people streaming it endlessly like 15 years later. And I feel like this is more supposed to be something where it's streaming 15 years later. You know, it's very much a limited series in its way. It's supposed to be like... Is close... it a limited series though? It, it, that is yes. that. I'm so glad you said... No, it's not. I, mm, I will tell you I was so mad when I was watching these screeners because, sorry, this is like a teeny spoiler alert because you guys have, like, I think only three episodes have aired and yes. I did a full season review, so I've watched all six. Um, this this series does not have the original book ending. Uh, it does not even feel like it comes to a complete stop. I will bet you $100 right now on air in this moment that they are angling for a season two for this. And it has blown my mind and I'm furious. I, I don't know if they are or not. I mean, the thing is, is that HBO... Have you gotten, has, to, the end, have you gotten to the end yet? No, 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 because I'm I'm doing week to weeks. Talk to me about this when you get to the end, because the place where it stops... 
There isn't an ending. That's, it just stops. That that that's very disturbing to me. So that's why I'm like, they want a season two for this because it's so prestige, it's so expensive and lush, and the cast is recognizable. I don't know how it's performing in the ratings. I don't think it got super great reviews. But I would not, I will like I said, I will put money, mark this episode down that they are trying to get a second season out of this. Um and that would not surprise me. I mean, one of the things that HBO has sort of accidentally found itself doing recently is making these limited series, running them in the Emmys as limited series, which is a much easier category to to get awards in because it's much smaller and it doesn't compete with broadcast and because broadcast usually doesn't compete there very much. And that doing um, Mar of East Mar of East Town. I'm looking at you, mm-hmm. Mar. Sorry, I always um, pronounce her name wrong. And um and honestly, like, and then if it's a hit, like say Big Little Lies, um, they'll just go and convert it to. Yeah, but, at least, but at least Big Little Lies finished the book, right? Like they took in order to make a season two, like they took like the one thing from the book they hadn't addressed, and they like spun it into an entire season, which is why it felt really lame when it actually got here. But that's neither here nor there. The fact I is, just, is that- I truly like was stunned. Because, I'm sorry, guys, this is like a little, my diamond shoes are too tight complaining, but I was watching the screeners for this to do my review, and I literally got to the end of the screeners in, in my inbox, which was six, and, and, I, and I was like, oh, there must be like one more episode that they haven't sent us yet, because a lot of times that happens networks don't send you like the full season in one batch. You'll get a bunch, and then like drips and drabs until it's over. And then I Googled it and it was like the six episode limited series. And I I said like an expletive so loudly because I was like, that's it? Like, that's where it stops? It's very weird and very unsatisfying if that is where the show ends. Like the end of that episode is surprisingly like really sort of emotionally like good. I'm trying to talk about it in like the vaguest terms, but it's also like it's not the end of the book. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was real hope uh, at HBO and HBO Max that this would be a major hit and that they could spin it into a season two. Um, but I am I am not sure. You know, they, there's a level where, you know, Mayor of Easttown has not gotten a second season. You know, as much as there's been talk of it, like, no, that has not actually happened. I mean, Kate Winslet freaking wants to do a second season and they haven't gone for it because there's no story to do. I actually really love where Mayor of Easttown I did too. Like I thought it was I thought it was actually a really great example of like this limited series format can work and be really powerful. We're we're going to talk th- about this again probably not on the show but at least in our text when you get to the end of this because I need I need your thoughts. <laughs> You get there. Yeah, I, I, I think, I, th- I think when we, I think when we look back at half year and full year, this is one of those shows that's going to where we will keep talking about this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But let's make a note of that right now because we'll talk about it on the on the half year in review show. Just because I need, I need you on the record as to what you think. Um, I, but it, it, even though I have not seen the ending, it would not surprise me if having seen multiple HBO shows find a second season because they've become hits um that Moffat may have made some choices in writing to keep you know to keep some stuff back just in case that would not surprise me in fact that would just not surprise me in general on shows that are being made on HBO right now that are expected to be hits um just because I mean let's be honest streaming is a gaping mall that needs content constantly 
It just is. And 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 if if something is a hit, you can get more of it because they need it because because I mean, for God's sake, Netflix has She's making a lot of very wild arm gestures on my Google <laughs> Sorry. Chat screen right now. So it's pretty funny. I'm going on my rant again. I'll stop. Um I will I will stop us here because we're running a little over and I don't and I don't want to get really mad and start spoiling things for people, which I've really I'm sorry you guys tried so hard not to do because I have seen the whole thing and I know that y'all haven't. Um, which is why I don't normally watch things in advance because I'm really bad at it. But uh we will we will touch base back on this at our half year in review episode in a couple of weeks because I I really want to know how how uh you feel about the ending. And if you guys out there listening in the dark would like to uh Talk to me about your time traveler's wife feelings. I would actually really love to hear them because if you really liked it, I would love to know why. Because sometimes I'm like, uh, I get a little stuck in my hatred of things. And if, other than Theo James being very hot, which I will fully admit to, I wish he'd stayed on Sanditon. I, I I I will say that when when I I have a running spreadsheet of notes um, that I take every week as I'm working on pitches and so forth since I'm on the week to week schedule with this and every time he falls out of the sky I write we in really large like letters across like a lot. I feel like I feel like poor Theo James I hope he must have had like a body double for oh, some I'm, of this or I'm he would just sure. be like completely covered with bruises and scars and good lord knows what else anyway that is our episode for this week. Uh, we will come back to this uh, naked Theo you know, James business later. And uh, Andy, tell the people where you live on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and the uh, and, and their very fuzzy butts at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Uh, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily, and I am the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. So, you know, if you want to know what I wrote this week, just go to my Twitter and follow me there because I retweet all my bylines. Huzzah! I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web. But I too always tweet, bleh, I too always tweet my bylines. Lots of T sounds today. I'm struggling. Um, so give me a follow. You'll get all the cat pictures there too. Or at their Insta, which is Baker and Hammer. And... If you're just like, whatever, I don't want any of that. You can get all of our British content as the site and the pod are on social media at Televisions Blog, all one word on Facebook, Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. And our podcast can be heard on YouTube at WETA's YouTube channel, which is WETA PBS. If you have thoughts to share, we would love to hear them. We are Televisions at WETA.org. If you just want to read more things, we are at Televisions.org. And while you're there, please click on that donate button up top to help us keep doing what we're doing and making all this content for your ears and eyeballs and brains and stuff uh stuff stuff um speaking of stuff your donation will also get you access to pbs passport where you can watch all manner of things this summer uh including a bunch of passport exclusives that uh you can basically binge before they air, including Cobra Season 2, Annika. There'll be early access to the new season of Grandchester once it premieres. Uh, Endeavor. Also, all of Endeavor episodes. Endeavor. Oh, there's, on, a lot, yeah. there's a lot happening this summer, so stick with us while we talk all about it. Um, on a bit of a somber note, it has been a hard couple of weeks here in America and around the world, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Um... Hug somebody you love. Tell them you love them. Please stay as safe as you can out there. 
and be good to each other because Lord knows we all need it right now. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.